with our current space-time continuum. Am I real? Or am I memories? You know, I bet you there's about seven people that even remember that product, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Another problem, evaporating popular culture. (laughs) Sheesh. Hello, friends, and welcome in to this, the aforementioned... Or did we? (laughs) <laughs> See, it's it's evaporating already. We're we're becoming legacy wetware, Mr. Keynes. Uh, indeed, this is Fusebox number two hundred twenty-eight, virtually entitled AI AI O. No, and uh, we've got a lot to throw around, friends. Yes, yes, we do. So uh, welcome in. I'm your beautifully rendered, but only with the proper text prompts host, Mark Rose, and joining me over there, coming from a reality engine that needs a ring job, uh, <laughs> the, the Prime Minister of the Multimeter, Milt Keynes, everybody. Oh, is that what that smell is? <laughs> you thought it was that cauliflower and cabbage burrito? Is it? Maybe. <laughs> well... Thank you kindly. I'll tell you, it's good to be here. And not out there, where in some parts of the U.S. you get a third-degree burn just from opening your damn front door. Climate change is a hoax, Mr. Keynes. That big orange guy that's been uh, indicted 34 times says so. Well, maybe they should just stake him out on his beloved golf course on the 47th tee and see how well he does after 9 or 11 hours. Hmm. Now, that's an interesting thought. You know, maybe we could make it look like an accident. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, friends, uh, there are uh, a bunch of things uh, heating up out there, all puns intended, and not the least of which is, of course, the SAG-AFTRA strike, which has uh, begun and is going to cause... A lot more than just ill will or a plethora of reruns, and uh, we'll go into all that. You know, I got a buddy in uh, L.A. who's a grip, and uh, he says it ain't looking good. Yeah, well, the writers, uh, as we know, have been on strike since May of this year, and now SAG-AFTRA and uh, all its affiliated production associates are uh, also on strike. Yeah, yeah, you know, my buddy said uh, a lot of this has to do with the threat of AI on the industry. Although, I mean, he's a grip, so, you know, unless they're going to make living AI humans to schlep stuff, he's probably okay, at least for the moment. Providing there is something to schlep. If they don't produce anything, then they... They don't need to move it around, (laughs) yeah, yeah, good point. So... It's a nasty cycle we're encountering. And uh, at the same time, some fascinating tools are being generated for uh, creatives. 
or are they? Yes, and uh, when we return, we're going to talk about what the concerns are in this uh, impending AI invasion and the uh, ramifications therein, friends. So uh, stay with us, isn't it? Watch for the outcome at the end of the next act. TheFuseBoxShow.com So I guess we've all played around a bit with the uh, AI-infused tools that are being given out freely for us to explore and uh, do the basic R&D for these companies. Yeah, and just to grab more information to use as we do all that. Well, yeah, correct. We're freely contributing on a daily basis to the wealth of information that uh, these AI platforms use and uh, repurpose, of course. Oh, hell, well, what was it I saw? I saw in uh, Reuters the other day. Yeah? Yeah, 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 this thing. Google was accused in a proposed class action lawsuit of misusing vast amounts of personal information and copyrighted material to train its artificial intelligence systems. Yikes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, The complaint filed in San Francisco federal court by eight individuals seeking to represent millions of Internet users and copyright holders said Google's unauthorized scraping of data from websites violated their privacy and property rights. Yeah, and to me, they're correct. Presuming that uh, lurking somewhere in the countless thousands of pages of that uh, uh, user agreement that nobody ever reads is the line, and everything you say, think, have thought, will think, now and into perpetuity, is the sole and undivided property of Google and its many tentacled associates in this and any other dimension. Amen. Fucking insects. Just saying. See... All this is going to happen so much faster than any other emergence and acceptance of technology has ever done before. It, it, it already is. I bet either you or someone you know has played around with uh, either MidJourney or ChatGBT or any other of those uh, numerous platforms to just, quote, check it out. Guilty. You, Mr. Keynes? Yeah. Look. I just wanted to see what it would look like if Marjorie Taylor Greene was half pickle. Well, isn't she? Hmm. Gherkin? Definitely not kosher. Roger that. Yeah. Well, in uh, full disclosure, Mr. Keynes, we here at the show have been guilty of the same curiosity. Huh? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Remember this bit on the show before our last one where I was saying, grab some tickets for this event and uh, then uh, forced several folks to enjoy the outing with me. No, I don't want to go. No, thanks. Got to rearrange my pantry. No, thanks. Really? uh, I have a root canal scheduled. Don't they kill chickens on stage? Yeah, sure. And Well, Mr. Keynes. These cats? No, I don't want to go. No, thanks. Got to rearrange my pantry. No, thanks, really. uh, I have a root canal scheduled. Don't they kill chickens on stage? Don't exist. What? Yeah. Yeah, the horrible truth is, and uh, done with this very intention, by the way, was to show how easily something like that can be introduced without too much of a seam at all. Holy carp. Yeah, yeah. 
Now, in fairness, <laughs> it took a wee bit of time to get the voices to respond in the way I wanted, since uh, unlike text to uh, visual renderings, there are no prompts, per se. You, you, you have a variability selection, meaning how uh, expressive do you want the results to be. And in, in this case, you have a selection of five voices to choose from. Now, these samples came from the, uh, the outfit known as 11labs.io, and they are pretty damn good and getting better all the time. So this all dovetails into the strike thing in, in a rather major way. As we know, the, the Writers Guild has already slammed the door on GBT-originated scripts because, <laughs> naturally, that would be the first wave to appear. Get the AI to write your script, which it does, and uh, with a little tweaking here and there, will, frankly, astound you with what it comes up with. Now, I have a friend who, uh, who gave it an exercise. He asked it to write a short comedy bit in the voice and style of uh, Lenny Bruce, a comedian that was uh, extremely popular in the 50s and 60s. And uh, he said, do Lenny Bruce, say, circa 1958. He sent it to me, and at first I thought it was a gag, like this was a, a forgotten bit from Bruce that for one reason or another w was shelved. But he sent me a copy of the actual chat he had, because you can save your uh, dialogue with this thing. And uh, it's astounding. The thing invented a lot of history and... Uh, thing oh, so it's a Republican. <laughs> so very good, Mr. Keynes. Well, like I say, I have my moment. Uh -huh. Yeah. Long and the short of it is, uh, this is just the base level that the AI will be. It will only continue to grow more and more sophisticated. We all know it. Even developments in text-to-video are evolving so fast that I, I, I think it's safe to say that within, oh, I don't know, three months from right now, you're going to start seeing some pretty amazing results there, too. Uh, um, there's a platform called Pixa. It's already demonstrating renders that are uh, approaching cinematic. And uh, this whole text-to-video thing isn't even six months old yet, at least as it applies to the public's use of it. I mean, they've been twiddling for a while on this thing. But this is why there is a shakeup at the pillars of the entertainment industry. Now, I could go really dark here. Could? Okay. I will. Commence the darkening, Mr. Keynes. What if the entertainment company's owners saw this writing on the wall and they're saying to themselves, hell, we, we could save a lot of money by just getting rid of all the talent and replacing them with AI. No more angry writers complaining that their work is being maligned or mangled. No more actors asking for that irritating health coverage or for a slight increase in royalties for streaming for work that if they had not made it a successful show or film, the studios wouldn't have the profits they clearly made in the first place. Just saying. Well, here's another aspect. I'm sure many folks can't imagine what impact a strike in the entertainment community could possibly have on them, wh wherever they live. Well, consider this. We're talking about easily 100,000 jobs in the entertainment industry in many occupations all over the country and world, for that matter. But, 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 but then it's a way bigger number. Place an economic burden on that many folks all over the U.S., 
you know, causing people to uh, uh, default on loans or lose health care or lose their homes and livelihood. Then, then you place a burden on the entire economic structure. That's all of us. We'll all start to feel the effects of this collapse. Yeah, not great. Yeah, yeah, not, not great at all. Now, what my hope is, because we've never encountered a situation such as this, where uh, one single technology could, in theory, replace virtually everything, my hope is that we actually find a middle ground where this becomes a tool for more creativity, not a stifling of uh, all human creativity. Well, you know, the truth is this thing can't generate new information. Right now, everything it does is based on something already done. It's a regurgitation engine. And that is, as our patron saint Frank Zappa would say, the crux of the biscuit. If there was nothing to mine, there would be no extrapolation. Yeah. Something must be in the resources in order for there to be anything generated. Which is why that uh, suit you brought up from Reuters is really so significant. This uh, pilferage of data is, uh, even if found to be somewhat legal, I doubt it, but even if it is, is an indicator of the true fuel that this thing has to run on. Uh, You know, we're not quite to the point where it can generate from nothing really anything. Whereas, (laughs) by contrast, there are modular synthesizers that can endlessly generate notes, sounds, all sorts of sonic explorations without ever having to be told anything. Well, uh, your guy, what's his name? Uh, Raymond? uh... Yes, Raymond Scott. Yeah, that's exactly who I was thinking of. A uh, a brilliant composer and electrical engineer who uh, pioneered what could only be called the world's first AI synthesizer, except it was 1940, and uh, all of the circuitry was electromechanical, not transistors and capacitors and the like like that. He, uh, he built a device that would randomly create musical sequences that Scott would uh, later rearrange into other sequences and so on and so forth. Yeah, if you want to check him out, check out Fusebox number 20, an episode called Flukum. And uh, there's a review of a documentary all about him on there. It's called Deconstructing Dad, and uh, it's a documentary co-created by Scott's son and is really worth a look. ScottDoc.com is the uh, web uh, address there, and uh, we'll put it in the show notes as well. So I'm hoping that uh, all this puff and buzzle that is occurring now will ultimately quiet down and become more of a, a, a useful tool for uh, realizing creative pursuits and not just, you know, generating wild extrapolations on things already in the public database, uh, so to speak. What were you telling me about Adobe? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, th- they have certainly broken their tradition, too, as a uh, historically pricey suite of tools for creatives. Um, to start... Uh, giving away access to a couple of uh, interesting AI-driven tools, uh, Firefly and Adobe Express by name. Now, they are interesting, certainly fast (laughs) at uh, content generation. And in a way, I hope this model is at least closer to what I'm talking about. It's still very much creator-driven. 
You still need to know what you're trying to accomplish, but it helps with generating things that might otherwise be very time-consuming. And in these days, we don't have the luxury of time in most cases. So these tools seem to be an alternative to the idea that uh, an AI tool just creates everything and then you sit there and watch. Which is why a lot of actors are feeling anxious right now, yeah? Well, sure. I mean, if the goal is to create AI actors based on existing folks, you know, ones we uh, recognize easily from uh, present day or the past, uh, then, you know, actors have to be on the alert for any overt or, or not so overt movement in that direction. Well, there have been a bunch of articles about scanning the likeness of uh, actors to use for the future. Yeah, I know. Oh, oh, and by the way, there is a remarkable film that came out a few years back, uh, like 10 years ago, 2013, I think, called The Congress, starring Robin Wright, and was uh, written and directed by Ari Dolman. That it, that it deals in this exact thing. An actor who is, uh, for some economic reasons, is debating the idea of having a complete scan made of her for use in performances. And uh, and in return for this uh, generous uh, offering, uh, she would be, quote, taken care of financially forever. Well, get this. It says that uh, the film found renewed relevance during the 2023 SAG-AFTRA strike. SAG-AFTRA organizers claimed that the film studios had put forward an artificial intelligence proposal that would permit them to scan actors' bodies in exchange for, get this now, a day's compensation and retain the rights to their image in perpetuity. There you go. So, so, so naturally, it's already in play. Yeah. It's, it's going to cause a lot of rumblings out there, and uh, rightly so. I'm not sure this is a good step at all, to be honest with you. Yeah, looking kind of nuts. I'd be on that picket line for sure, man. Yeah. So let, let's just keep our eyes open on this one, friends. Uh, it can have definitely long-term effects that will be felt globally, and uh, we just need to watch each step. All righty, friends, enough with the silicon soliloquies. Uh, we have a delightful piece recently crafted for our Twisted Epiphany segment, which, uh, for those unaware, is an ongoing series devoted to uh, the spoken word adventures. And uh, this one, written and narrated by Joe Medina, is a fun and insightful look into uh, childhood memories. Joe calls this one Curse of Dorkathon. I was an outsider from the word go, specifically a Latino nerd. Maybe it's cool now, but 1982? No macho preteen in my smuggy, shrub-infested suburb would admit it. Matt Dillon was cool, but Harrison Ford, sure, a nerd like me? My favorite LP was the Empire Strikes Back soundtrack. I might as well have been an avocado. I wasn't even allowed to leave the house. And it was overcrowded. One morning, my family woke up and found my aunt my uncle, my other aunt, and some of my cousins in the living room. My mother had invited them. 
We were packed into that little house like cargo on a tramp freighter. Soviet Russia had more privacy. I retreated into daydreams, books, and my own writing. Then came Dungeons and Dragons. D&D, the first role-playing game. When you play the game, you create a story. The characters, the setting, the adventures. I loved it from afar. Then I finally saved enough pennies to get it. The D&D starter box with rule books and a pre-written adventure. My brother, my sisters, and one of our cousins made characters to play. I read all the rules, so I ran the game. And we dove into our first dungeon, fighting monsters with swords and magic, escaping death traps, winning the treasure. It was like The Hobbit meets Indiana Jones. We were hooked. Then it was back to school. Homework ate up my free time. There was no time for plotting maps and do adventures, but I could buy one. At the big shopping mall across town, there was a toy store with a glass cabinet full of gaming stuff. Books and starter sets, figurines of dragons and elf maidens and wizards, a transparent shrine for dreamers. I asked if I could see the printed adventure booklets. Like a grown-up, a staffer unlocked the cabinet and laid out the booklets on the counter. One stood out, a game scenario with a town under a curse. Murder, intrigue, treasure. My family's characters would have been heroes. This one, please. And that was my allowance for the week. I was excited about this new adventure campaign, but my sisters had to bow out right away. They also had schoolwork. My cousin and my little brother, on the other hand, couldn't wait. I studied the booklet as fast as I could and set up a time to play. My brother played an elf, my cousin a human fighter. We met at the dining table to play. As the moon rises, an elf and a human fighter enter a town cloaked in fog and secrets. The first thing they do is seek out a tavern. When they get in, they overhear some local dwarves at the bar, complaining about the harsh rule of the town's I told them to shard up. Uh, what? My fighters say, shard up. Nobody cares about stupid dwarves. Dwarves. It's, it's dwarves. Who cares? New to the U.S. of A. My cousin had an accent, but sounding drunk was new. Was he trying to sound tough like Clint Eastwood, Rambo, Arnold? He sounded more like Tommy Wiseau. I tried to be a fair and open-minded referee. Uh, um, are you sure? Puedo decirlo en español. I already said shard up. What they gonna do about it? Their eyes were on me, looking for weakness. Okay, think. Roll a reaction check. Penalties and bonuses offset. A big surprise, the dwarves are hostile. 
My little brother, as the elegant elf, declared, Hey, he's my friend. Mess with him and I'll kill you. Hold it. What? How? My brother was nine years old. Now he had the death sentence in 12 star systems? My cousin's fighter throws the first punch. My brother's elf dives right in. Tables crashing, fists and chairs flying. The fighter and the elf get thrown out into the foggy night. Then off they went to the next tavern to start another bar brawl. And another. Again and again. Screw fair and open-minded. I could have gotten a Starlog magazine, a famous monsters, a ream of binder paper, and some pens for what this adventure cost me. Now the whole game was slurping down the drain along with my allowance. That was it. I told them off, threw all my D&D stuff into my book bag, and stormed off to my bedroom. And through the walls, I could hear my cousin wailing to my aunt. And my little brother was raging, screaming at our mama. Babies get to yell at the grown-ups, I guess. But if I could hear it... Oh, no. The shouting had also drawn my father out of his den. Like a balrog, a flame and mountainous, emerging from the deepest darkest caverns of Moria. Like a death knell, there was a knock on my door. The hot seat was singing my name. My brother and my cousin shouted over me. My mother and my aunt couldn't make up their minds who to yell at. My father put his foot down. You make too much noise. I'm taking the game away, and if you don't keep quiet, you won't get to keep it. My brother exploded. My cousin said he should have the game. My aunt liked that idea. My mother didn't know whose side she was on, only that it was her house. Then my father shut us all up. I don't want to hear another sound all night, or I'll take your game back to the store and return it. I handed my Dungeons & Dragons over to my father, dragged myself to my bedroom. But it was my game. I bought it myself, but that night, all night, I really paid for it. The next morning, I was getting dressed for school when my father summoned me to his den to give the books back to me. A weight had fallen off my shoulders, but only one. I remembered my cousin's eagerness to claim the game books for himself, so I hid them. I tucked my game notes inside my Trapper Keeper along with my schoolwork. This was about a lot more than a nerdy game. My family bonded over that game. Now that bond was broken. Family, or semblance of it, had become more about privilege and the pettiest expressions of power, and the adults led the way. In a tiny, overcrowded world, I needed room for myself. Dreams. Bonds, trust, they're fragile. And when someone is close, in your face or in your blood, they can shatter it all on a whim. That's why you have to be ready to close the books, leave the table, find someone 
who respects the game. Your world. Your dreams. That was a ride. I, you know, I didn't know it was going to go there. Cool job, Joe. Oh, cool job indeed. Y y you know, it is funny how our uh, earliest memories of things, what, uh, whatever they might be, can be very significant markers of why we made certain choices later in life, or perhaps at that very instant, that uh, ends up determining the course of our journey here. Man, his dad must have been huge. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm sure keeping fire insurance was a major hassle. Yeah. Thanks again to Joe Medina for that uh, extremely evocative and, and uh, fun piece. I had a virtual blast playing with that one. So uh, thanks for allowing me to twiddle therein, Joe. And uh, with that, we'll grab our flaming Balrogs and AI-infused dinnerware and scamper back under that loose tile in the laundry room, but not before thanking our contributors to this edition of Fusebox, Mackenzie Maine for splendid ideafications, and to Joe Medina for outstanding spoken wordism mentations. Thanks, as always, to the maestro of meters, Milt Keynes for technical assistance and Balrog vetting. <laughs> Pleasure as always. Yeah, and you can never be too sure about those guys. They cheat and try to avoid subpoenas. You know, folks, if you have not as yet subscribed to this here show, we'd really dig the hell out of it if you did, wherever you found it. Hey, leave a review, too. Always helps. As does the act of purest generosity and goodwill that joining us on Patreon displays, whereby signing up YouTube can join the hordes of rabid fans and uh, receive uh, free swag, early access to shows, and all sorts of other fun stuff clearly illegal in many parts of the country. Just go to patreon.com forward slash the Fusebox Show and sign up. Much obliged. Obliged we are. Thanks to you, friends, for uh, pushing play on this edition of the show. And next time we have some very special news to share that has all of us a Twitter over here. No, 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 not that tweetment thing. Something actually interesting that doesn't involve crazy billionaires. So be sure to be with us next time for that supremely fascinating info. Mm-hmm. I have been your steam-opened-by-accident host, Mark Rose, saying until our next cartoon. Fuse box.